Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Hey, help me thank Socrates and the band and the singers, man. It's so good to see you, my brother. Awesome. These guys are so blessed. Man, you got some great worship leaders and a great leader in Chris. Thank you, Chris, for being the campus pastor that you are. And thank you guys for being here. If we haven't met, it's no big deal. I'm serious. You're the reason we're here. You're the big deal. We believed seven years ago God wanted us to have a ministry here in Horizon West. We went to a Walmart, the Walmart, the only thing out here at that time. And we made a big circle and and we stopped traffic because people thought a cult was about to sacrifice an animal or something. I don't know what they thought. And I remember picking up a rock. And I still have that rock. It's in my, my closet and I look at it. I looked at it this morning. Because we prayed that God would do something. It's been seven years. That's the number of perfection. So you're perfect. (laughs) Not really, but that's the number of perfection. It's what God did because there were people who believed this is our mission. And so I'm just honored to get to be here today and to be a part of this. So thank you, and, and I'm glad you're here. If you've never been to a church, you just walked in, just trust me. I hope it will make a little bit of sense of why would a church want to come out and have a campus and buy land. And I'm so thankful we own that land. It's ours, right, Chris? We own it. It's ours. And God gave it to us through some faithful giving. Now, we just got to build a building on it. But you're going to help us do it. We're going to do it. We're going to get there. And as Rachel and I drove out, by the way, my wife is with me, Rachel. Some of you may not have met her. She would be much more interesting to meet than me. And uh, I'm glad she got to come today. As we were driving out, we went by that property. And I'm like, there it is. I said, this is so cool that there's going to be a building there. And it's going to be home for a long, long time. So I'm glad that you're a part of something that God started years ago. Why do we do it? If you've got a Bible, I want you to go to uh, the letter we've been in. In fact, Chris, I know, has done a phenomenal job teaching 1 Corinthians. We don't teach the same, I mean, we don't have the same sermon, but we, we work through the text in a similar fashion. Every week, Chris and I, along with every campus pastor, uh, sits in a room, and, and we add a few in, into that room, and we talk about the Scripture. I mean, we literally, we open a Bible and Somebody reads a verse, then the next person reads a verse, the next person, and then we look at it. We look at the Greek. We look at, is there anything in there that language helps us with, or Hebrew, or is there something that, that you see that God's trying to say to our people? And you have a very gifted, gifted communicator, and, and I learned so much from Chris just sitting and, and listening to him as he shares. So when we got to this book, 1 Corinthians, I know he probably told you about the setting. Okay, now we're going to be in chapter 10. We're going to be going back. Chris has already been through 
and so have I, but there's something in this that has, I don't know, it just kind of resonated with me. It's not going to be radical truth that, you know, God gave me last night in a dream after a football game. He revealed something. No. He did reveal things, but it wasn't had anything to do with this. All right. 1 Corinthians 10 is written in the context of a city and a church that had all kinds of other gods around, okay? So-called other gods. They had idol worship, okay? So they had the temple to Apollo. I've, I've stood in Corinth. I've seen the columns that, that have been restored that are a part of that, that temple to Apollos. Up on the mountain, I've seen the mountain where the goddess Aphrodite and all, the, all of the... Uh, what shall we say, workers come down, the women, and work their trade in the city. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it was one of the most mixed and one of the most culturally confused places. So there was an issue that came up in the church. Whenever they offer sacrifices to idols, they don't offer the whole animal. So there's some good tenderloin left. I mean, filet mignon, you're talking about filets? Oh, great. But they've been used in a sacrifice. They've been a part of an animal that was sacrificed to a pagan god. Should we eat them? And the reason they ask this is because that's where the cheapest meat in town was. I mean, it's BOGO every week. You, you buy a piece and they, you get a piece. I mean, it was, it was easy to get. And Christians were struggling in those days, seriously. They were very, very much in poverty. So they would go and buy that meat. And then another Christian would look at them and go, no, 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 no. Can't do that. You just bought something that was offered to another God. You can't do that. And the other one's going, yeah, but, but there's no such thing as another God. I, there's no issue here. And so they began to debate. And it even moved outside of the body of Christ. It moved into the community. So Paul says, hey, this is nonsense. And he gives them really three simple truths. And I'll give them to you this way. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about them. Okay, say it with me. It's not about us. It's about him. And it's about them. I mean, just as simple as it can be but it might be more complicated than you realize. I'm about to show you something that's going to break some hearts, one being Chris Ogden. I, too, am a Miami fan. I've, I've always loved the Hurricanes, even when I, before I ever lived here. That is a cool team, man. I always like to see them, you know, compete. There was a moment in October when Georgia Tech was playing Miami. And I'm going to give you just enough explanation if you don't know the game of football or American football, I should say, so you can understand what's happening. Okay, so Miami has the ball. There's 26 seconds left. Georgia Tech had no timeouts. They couldn't stop the clock in any, by any you know, form or fashion. So all Miami had to do was run the play that we call take a knee. In other words, just take a knee. They can't stop the clock. The game's over. Miami was up by three, leading 20 to 17. The game was done. But instead of running that play, taking a knee, they thought they'd run another play. 
This is what happened. Here's Cheney, the straight ahead, tackled, and the ball popped out. You gotta, you gotta read the clock. I mean, read the card. I mean, and to me, Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Kyle Kennard comes up with the fumble. You should not be running the football. I mean, it, it is. It, you should be taking a knee. Singleton, the fastest of the receivers, to the top of the screen. Here's King from the pocket, flush to his right with six. Going to loop it downfield, and ball is caught! Touchdown, Georgia Tech! With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary hauls it in. So how many of you, did any of you see that game live? Were you watching? <laughs> Chris, you were. Do we have any Auburn fans in the house? There, there's still a little pain there, too. Just take a knee. Everybody in the stadium knew what you ought to do. The commentators knew what you ought to do. The sports world knew what you ought to do. Run that play, which is victory formation or take a knee, and the game is over. Now, I'll, I'll hand it to Coach Cristobal. He owned it. And he said, every one of us have to look ourselves in the face and take responsibility for what we did. And he handled it as well as you could handle it. But they lost the game. He said, well, what does that have to do with every one of us who've been in the faith know what changes the world? It's not our fancy plays. It's not the cool stuff. It's not lights and smoke and bands and, and all this cool stuff. No, it's one thing. It's Jesus Christ changes lives every day everywhere and the church has been given a mission make him known make him famous share the gospel let others know the reason horizon west exists is because we believe it is the mission of our church to have a gospel witness in every area of central florida every area we came out here to be cool no to think, oh, wow, we have how many campuses? We're starting another campus. That's awesome. That's going to look great on a resume. No, no, no. We did it for one reason, I assure you. I remember the meetings. Chris remembers them as well. When we sat around and thought, how are we going to get the gospel? Because you know what? Guys, it's 30 minutes back down to John Young campus. We drove it. And if it's the wrong time of day, it's about 45 to an hour. We thought somebody, somehow, some way, we've got to have a witness in an area of our city that's growing so fast, an area of Central Florida that is just blowing up. And God put in our heart to do this. And this is what we're talking about. This is the mission, to see lives change, to see people come to Christ. So what Paul is going to do, he's going to tell them, hey, it's not about you. It's about him, and it's about them. Read with me. I'm going to start in verse 23, chapter 10, 1 Corinthians. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. That's pretty cool. We can do a lot of things, but do we need to? Is it really helpful? All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Go ahead. Get it. T-bone looks good. 
for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of the conscience. I don't mean your conscience, but his. Why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. May the Lord add his blessing. It's really not about us, guys. There are a lot of things we can do, but there's one thing we must do. We must do whatever it takes to glorify him and whatever it takes to reach our world. And that's exactly the line of reasoning. Now, the problem is, is that Christians make the issue meat. The issue is not meat. The mission is not meat. But yet you will find churches and you will find Christians who are thinking, well, it's not just about Jesus. You have to do church a certain way. I know this will shock you having been here and heard what you heard this morning, but there are churches that count the number of hymns versus the number of choruses. And if you have more choruses than you do hymns, then the church is not pleasing to God. Really? Where, did, where do you get that? I can tell you some battles that have been fought on when you take the offering. We don't even take offerings anymore. We freely give them, but we give them through means that are appropriate and available to us. But yet there were division. There's division over just about anything. What time do you start? Do you have a Saturday night? Why not a Saturday night? We have fought over meat for a long time. And I'm just telling you, it's not about meat. Paul says it's okay to eat it. In fact, I love what he says. If you want to eat the meat, go ahead and eat it. You know why? Because everything on the earth belongs to him. God knows that cow. He knows that cow by name. He made that cow. So yes, have the meat if you'd like to eat it. But if you don't, it's okay. Because if you want to honor your neighbor, it's very appropriate. Don't let your conscience make the decision. Let theirs make the decision in terms of, is it going to create a barrier for them? Think about if we applied this. If we really understood it's not about us, would it change the way we live? Remember when the issue of mask came along? Should we wear a mask? Should we require a mask? Or the issue of vaccines? Uh, listen, I know it sounds far-fetched, but there are churches. They made it the biggest issue. And, and we had people. I, I mean, Chris would probably tell you the same thing. Uh, no matter what we did, we couldn't please people. If we said, no, 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 you do whatever your conscience tells you to do, there were those who said, no, no, you should be telling people to wear masks. That's the appropriate thing to do. That's the loving thing to do. And then there were those saying, no, if you tell people to wear masks, that is not the appropriate thing. That's not the loving thing. We're like, well, what are we supposed to do? 
I tell you what we're supposed to do. Remember the mission. The mission is not mask. The mission is people knowing Jesus Christ. Now, we'll clear out whatever's in the way as best we can. But though we may do great programs, though we may have cool events, the reason those things exist is it's not about us and we have this cool event. No, no, no. It's so that somebody can hear about Jesus maybe for the first time. Somebody understands the gospel for the first time. We're in a season of not only in church life, but in our world where, have you noticed, we don't disagree well anymore. Have you noticed that? How about at Thanksgiving? Anybody have a family discussion that, didn't, that went south in a hurry? We don't know how to disagree. We don't know how to just look at one another and go, well, you know, that's, we just, I differ with you, but that's okay. That's no big deal. We've lost that. I had a pastor friend and I use the term friend loosely, uh, who came in to see me. And he was so perplexed that we would allow people who are gay to come to church. And I said, well, I mean, it's just our mission. We believe we owe the gospel to them. He goes, yeah, but when you, when you do that, you're encouraging them. I said, no, I don't think so. Any more than we're encouraging somebody to, who is an adulterer to have an affair every time they come to church. Well, anyway, we got into this little discussion. And it was pretty obvious. He got very heated. And I looked at him finally and asked him a question. So, if we don't agree on something, do we have to be enemies? Now, I'm thinking he's a pastor. He'll get the answer. He looked at me and he said, yeah, I guess that's what we've become. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. We are at a place where we can't move forward because of an issue of meat. Listen to what Paul is saying. It's not about the meat. It's about winning them to Christ. It's about presenting the gospel. It's about showing our community the love of Jesus. So I'm telling you, as long as Chris is campus pastor, as long as I have anything to do with First Orlando, we will never make meet the issue. The issue is Jesus Christ. It's why we do everything we do, so that somebody can come to know Christ. So we begin by saying it's not about us. And then the second thing, it's about him. Paul said, now, whatever you do, do it to glorify God. In fact, go down, if you will, to verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. <laughs> I love the way that verse, where it appears, a lot of people just pull it out of context. And it works. But look at the context. He's talking about eating and drinking, and some think you should, and some think you shouldn't. He said, look, <laughs> no matter what you do, do it for the glory of God. Ask this question, can God be glorified in this? Do I make God smile today? Is God pleased today? I just think it's a basic orientation of life. It's why we exist. We are here because God wants us here. Give him glory. You woke up, you got another day. Why? So that you could glorify God today. I just love to live that way. I think that's the way we're supposed to live. In him we move, live, and what? Have our being. He is everything. So whatever we do, it's got to first glorify him. And then the last thing, it's about them. Is there any way that the way you're living is keeping them from coming 
to him. It's keeping them from coming to Christ. So another way to, another way to ask it, do you see yourself owing this community anything? Paul did. Paul actually saw himself as a debtor. He calls himself a debtor in Romans chapter 1, verse 14. He said, I'm a debtor to the Greeks, to the barbarians, and I'm a debtor of the gospel. What Paul believed is that he owed his world the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now think about that a minute. He owed them the gospel. Every once in a while, we give an unbelieving world the sense that they owe us something. They don't owe us anything. We owe them. And so everything we do ought to be with the orientation. How is it we fulfill that debt? And by the way, Paul said the Greeks and the barbarians. That word barbarian, you know who he's talking about? He's talking about the people you don't like. He's talking about the people that are the most reprobate in your mind. If you made a list of your top favorite, 10 favorite people, they wouldn't be on the list. The people that are so contrary to what you believe, so contrary to who you are, and they represent everything evil, you owe them the gospel. So do I. I wake up every day with this idea in my mind. I owe the city of Orlando the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can I fulfill that debt? What can I do? I owe Central Florida. That's why we're here. We owe Horizon West the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we come with that attitude, hey, we're going to do whatever we can to bring the gospel and to open doors for that. And Paul says, hey, I do everything I can so that some might be saved. Is everybody going to believe? No. But some are. So what we do is we open the doors of this room and one day we'll open the doors of a building and we'll invite horizon west to come come with all your messed up lives come with all your baggage so you know what we got baggage too in fact i'll just tell you that if you were looking for a perfect church please don't join this one because you'll mess it up we've never been perfect and we never will be because we know what grace is all about grace doesn't make any sense when you have no sin we all are sinners and need grace and we have found it in Jesus, and we want the world to know that. So we're doing everything we can to remove barriers. When people come in, to welcome them. The church ought to be the friendliest place. You ever been to Walmart? Y'all been to Walmart? You see some of those greeters? I mean, some of those folks, they're old. They, they, they could be doing whatever they wanted to, and they're in there pushing carts or handing you a cart, smiling, welcoming you to Walmart. My goodness, if we just learned a little bit of what Walmart has figured out, we would make church a lot different. Some churches, they say, would grow 10% if we just smiled, which would be awesome. Because you know what principle of church growth I've learned all my years, and I know it never fails? Here's the number one principle of church growth. Not a cool band. You got that. Not a cool preacher. You got that. Chris is incredible. You know, not cappuccino or coffee I think you got coffee somewhere right you know what the number one principle of church growth is people go where they're loved they're not going to go where they're not loved they get that in the world why they should they come here they can do a lot of things on Sunday morning 
But my prayer is that somebody comes here and they find something different. It's like, wow, these people really love people. They actually were glad I was there. They actually smiled. They, I, I, that's an amazing place. I don't know who they are. They may be a cult, but I'm going to check it out. And you know what? When they check it out, they're going to meet Jesus. And they're going to know he's the reason we do crazy things like this. And I want you to celebrate with me what happened last year with all of our campuses, what we celebrate as a church. Our church has been in existence 153 years. That's a long time. In fact, we've got a couple of, of staff members that were here when it started. I mean, they're back <laughs> at John Young. They're not out here. Seriously, 153 years, that's forever. Did you know last year for the first time in history, we saw more people say Jesus is Lord and be baptized than we've ever seen in the history of our church. 1,499. If you ask me what happened last year, I would say we took a knee. We knew what to do and we did it. And when you do that, you win the game. You win the community. And we eventually win the world of Christ. I want you to celebrate just the faces of these people. Some of them are out here. You'll see Chris. It's just a compilation of a lot of different baptisms, but they all happened last year to celebrate what happens when the mission is about Jesus. Watch this. is the greatest sermon that you'll ever hear or see. It is a picture of somebody who says, you know what? I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for him. Upon his confession that Jesus is his Lord, we get to celebrate with him today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I can promise you heaven is having a party today. You've made your decision. You are standing for him. Isn't that awesome? Can we give the Lord praise just for every one of those lives? Every one of them. And you had a part, all of us. If you want to know the truth, I would rather see a year like that with that many people saying yes to Jesus than a year of record offerings. You know why? Why build a building if you don't have the people that can be there? I don't think a building in Horizon West will save the community. In fact, I don't think a building has ever opened the gates of heaven for somebody. It might be a place where they can come and learn about Jesus, and through that building they find hope in Jesus. But our hope is in Christ. It's not in a building. It's not in an offering. It's in Jesus. And that's why we're here. We have a mission. We're going to run the play because we know there's only one that wins the game. So thank you for being a part of something that God is doing. 
And I want us to be reminded and, and sing this song that they let us in just a minute ago. This is hope. Jesus Christ is the hope of Horizon West. And may this place be a place of hope. Let's keep hope alive. Join me in standing. And they're going to lead us in that song. And I want you to sing it to say, you know what? I believe that. Jesus, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that with my neighbors, with the people around me and my circles of influence. I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to point them to Jesus Christ. Let's worship him. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.